Hey, welcome to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. My name is Nick Anderson, and I will be doing a podcast series on the Gospel of John. Along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the Lord faithfully at the Western Kentucky University Baptist Campus Ministry, also known as the WKUBCM. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to read the reflection of the Winter Growth Challenge. This reflection is written by Tommy Mears, and Tommy is one of the fellowship coordinators of the WKUBCM. However, I read these reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of this of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at WKUBCM.com. And here's what she has to say about chapter 20 of John. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet have believed. Verse 29. In chapter 20 of John, Mary finds the stone over Jesus' tomb has been rolled away, and his body is nowhere to be found. Jesus appears to Mary, though, risen and alive. Jesus had been crucified and died a criminal's death, but overcame death and was now alive and well for Mary and the disciples to see. Crazy to believe, but true. From Thomas, in this chapter, we see him doubt the resurrection of Jesus, so much to the point that he would not believe it to be true unless he saw his wounds with his own eyes. After allowing Thomas to see his wounds and scars to prove it was really him, Jesus tells Thomas that those who believe without needing to see are blessed. Doubt is something we all struggle with. Doubt, we doubt getting good grades, we doubt certain friendships and relationships, we even doubt ourselves sometimes. We even tend to doubt the goodness of God. Doubt is something that can slip under the cracks and go unnoticed, but is highly destructive to our faith. It leaves room for truth to be replaced by lies, and our doubts ultimately trace back to our belief of who God is. We doubt a situation or outcome. It leads us to believe that God is not good and sovereign over all, and will work out for good, for our good, which is a lie. We doubt a situation or outcome. It leads us to believe that God is not good and sovereign over all, and work out for our good which is a lie. For Thomas, he let his own perception of God and what he believed to be true dictate his own behavior. Thomas allowed his doubts to keep him from embracing the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. Because of this, Thomas needed to see proof it was real in order to believe it was true, and how true that is of us as well. We tend to hold out our faith and trust in God when situations get sticky until we see him move. This means oftentimes demand a result from God before we rest content knowing that he is in control. We let our fears outweigh our faith. And Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we cannot see. Faith and doubt go hand in hand. Faith is being sure of what we hope for even when we do not see. Doubt is when we fear. Take hold and distract us 
Doubt is when we let fear take hold and distract us from what God is really doing in our lives. It takes faith to overcome our doubts. We need to put our hope and trust in God, who is above all, and rely on His faithfulness instead of the wisdom of this world that tells us we can do this on our own. We must cling to God's Word and His truths to give us rest and assurance that God is working. Romans 8.28 reminds us of this, and we know that in all things, God works for, our, for the good of those who love Him. We have been called according to His purpose. When we live according to God's Word, He works for our good. This is something we can lean into and rely on. We may doubt due to the people and things of this world, but we have a never-changing, all-powerful God and hope in our eternal salvation through Christ alone. This is something we should remind ourselves of daily to keep the doubts and fears from our minds. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the hope and joy that can be found in Him. We can drown out our own doubts. We can trust in the goodness and faithfulness of God, looking back on how He has worked in the past and allow His faithfulness to be all we need to quote-unquote see in order to believe. Thomas needed tangible proof that God was who he said he was because he confined Jesus to a small worldly perception rather than believe the mighty power of Jesus. But we can stop our doubt in its tracks and remember the truth of God, God's word, his faithfulness to us and the multitude of blessings he has set before us to keep us focused on what really matters. We are called as Christians to love others and to share the message of the gospel with others. Our purpose in life is found when we use it to bring all the glory back to our Creator. Shifting our thoughts and mindset toward this can help erase all our doubts. And when we do find ourselves in doubt, bringing those to God rather than running from Him, is the only way to truly and successfully fight this battle. Because the victory is already won through Christ, we must lean into Him in all we do and allow His peace to flow through us as we trust His greater plan. Regardless of the fears and doubts we face, we must believe without needing to see and need proof of who God is. To know who God is and really feel His presence, all we need to do is simply read scripture to learn of His character and His heart and allow His Spirit to live inside of us. Our belief doesn't just come from seeing the power and majesty of God in a tangible way, but allowing Him to reveal Himself to us and to work in us and through us. That is what faith is. And that is how we overcome our doubts and live a blessed life. I challenge you all to remain in the Word and fix your mind on the things that are above to overcome any doubts you face over this break. And with that, into the podcast.
Welcome back to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. Today we'll be looking at John chapter 20. So today I am with Tommy Beers. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, hey guys, it's Tommy. Just some background on me. I am a sophomore at Western and I'm currently studying business management focused in administration um, and minoring in entrepreneurship. I am on the leadership team at the BCM as the fellowship coordinator, um, and I also serve as a freshman family group leader. Um, So it's been really cool being a part of the BCM community, and I'm excited to get to share a little bit about what I've been learning in John through the Winter Growth Challenge. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for hosting. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm guessing I ask this question to every person who's on here, but while you were writing your reflection or studying this chapter, what did God show you? Yeah, there were a couple of things that really stood out to me when I first read John chapter 20. And the really funny thing is last year, the winter growth challenge was through all of the gospels. So we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I actually got pretty bad towards the end of the winter break and didn't get to finish all of John. So I think it's really cool that this semester, uh, this break, we're doing John again, and I've been able to actually go through the whole thing and get a lot more from it. So getting the whole context together is really great rather than just a chapter at a time. But when I first read John chapter 20, this is the chapter that is talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And I think that it's probably one of my favorite chapters, because I think when we talk about the gospel, we obviously hit all the the main points of Jesus being born, Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect life, and ultimately dying for our sins on the cross. And because of that, his righteousness is accredited to us, and we are able to have a relationship with God. But I think one of the really important things that we don't want to forget is not only did Jesus come to die for our sins, but he also overcame death in the grave, and he rose again. And through his victory over that, we're able to have that same resurrection power within us as well. And so it's just what really ties together the whole message of hope that's in the gospel. And so I've really enjoyed being able to see that clearly stated and shown in his resurrection. One of the main things that um, I really wanted to touch on is when it talks about in chapter 20, when Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Um, And so Mary comes to the tomb and she sees that it's empty and she is she's crying, she's weeping, she doesn't know what's happened to Jesus, um, and it's just a lot of emotions are happening, and I think that's very easy for me to relate to because I'm a very emotional person as well, but as Mary's there, she's at the tomb, and she's weeping. Uh, two angels appear, and they say, woman, why are you crying? Um, and she says, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him, and at that, she turned around, and she saw Jesus there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus, and so he asked her, he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And she's just really distressed. She doesn't know who this dude is. She thinks he might be a gardener or something. And she says, if you carried him away, tell me where he is and I will go get him. And this is like one of my favorite parts of the whole chapter. When Jesus just says to her, and I just picture this with such compassion in his voice, just saying, Mary. And she turns towards him immediately and she cries out, teacher. And I think that is such a beautiful picture that relates so well to what we've read earlier in John. In John chapter 10, verse 27, it's talking about Jesus being the good shepherd. And it says in verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so I just think 
seeing this image of Jesus saying Mary's name. That's all he had to do. And then she knew that it was Jesus. And that just kind of shows that when you're a true believer of Christ and you have him in your heart, you listen to him, you know who he is, and he knows you. And it's just a really wonderful picture that shows that, that lived out in Mary's life, knowing that the moment she heard Jesus say her name, that it was him. Um, and that despite all of the craziness that had just gone on and the disbelief that would probably be swirling around, knowing that Jesus just died a couple of days ago, just knowing that that overwhelming sense of peace and joy that came to her, knowing that Jesus was alive and that he had resurrected. Um, and so that's just one of my favorite parts of the chapter. Wow, that was a lot of good stuff right there, you know. Especially, like, whenever you reference John chapter 10 about, you know, Jesus being a good shepherd and how, as a shepherd, a shepherd calls out and says, like, sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd's voice, but you have all these other people who are, like, shouting off the sheep, like, but yet, when you are a true believer, you know the voice of God and Jesus is talking to you. And so... And I also like what you said about not only did Jesus come to die, but he also came to, to overcome death as well. And yeah. so I think that kind of wraps into the next, to my next question for you. Like, what is so significant about this chapter? You see the resurrection of Christ ha occur here, but if Christ was not resurrected, how would our lives be different as believers? Yeah, and that's a big question, because like I said, I think the main point that we hit is that Jesus came and he died for our sins, and that is his whole mission, that was his purpose. But what can really string along the message of hope that the gospel brings is knowing that Jesus resurrected. And so it wasn't only that Jesus came and he took on all of our sins, past, present, and future, which when you think about, it's just unbearable to imagine, to think that Jesus came solely for that purpose for every person and took all of that sin and that shame. And it's a, it's a crazy thing to think about, but knowing that he took that and that is what it separated him from God. And that's part of who he is. And I know um, I recently finished reading Gentle and Lowly and one of the chapters really goes into depth about what that would look like, the pain that Jesus must have felt being separated from God and taking that separation from God rather than that being put onto us. And so that's an awesome image just to think about. But the really beautiful thing about it is that, yes, Jesus died and he took our sin and he was separated from God, but he rose again from that. And that should bring us so much joy and power in knowing that he's overcome hell, he's overcome the grave, and he's overcome death. And through believing in Jesus, through knowing that he's done those things and confessing him as our Lord, we have that same power living within us, and we can have that same joy and hope that we find in the message of the gospel. That's something that we can live out daily by reminding ourselves of that, um, and not just letting it be some story that we read about in a book, but knowing that this is the truth, and this is real, and this is something um, that should be so prevalent in every, every single day in what we do, because that's, that's our purpose, and that was Jesus's purpose, and we're meant to walk as he walked. And so I think just um, realizing that the message of the resurrection is something that should bring us joy, knowing that we have Jesus living within us and we have that same um, power. And not to say that we can raise people from the dead and we can do that ourselves, but it's also just um, a symbol of knowing that 
through our faith in Jesus, we do have power over death because we have eternal life with Jesus. And that's the main thing is through his resurrection and his life, um, we're able to have eternal life with God. We're able to have that right relationship. And his resurrection is what makes that possible. Making sure that we hit that point really hard is um, super cool to just kind of focus in on. That message of resurrection of joy is also such a beautiful picture because experiencing separation from God is one thing, but living eternity with God is a completely another thing. And so Jesus to overcome death is something so radical, mind-boggling to even think about. Jesus overcomes death and and the Bible says that if we believe, then the same power dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. And I think, I mean, another important topic I mention in this chapter is the topic about change. Because you have beforehand, Jesus just died on the cross. But uh, you know, this is what the Christ Center Exposition Commentary, Exalting Jesus in John, says about this chapter and about change. He says, The change in Joseph and Nicodemus from a secret disciples to open followers. The change in treatment of Jesus from affliction to affection and adoration. The change in grave from full to empty. The change in John as he looks and believes in the resurrection. And finally, the change in Mary from weeping to rejoicing. The change in Thomas even from doubting to believing. With that in mind, the resurrection completely changes our mindset of how we think about Christianity. Because like you said, this message of the resurrection should bring us great joy. And, you know, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, Paul says that as Christians we should be the most pity among all the people in the world. And, that's, and so, I guess that moves on a little bit to our next question. I think one of the characters that we should point out is the disciple Thomas. I think so often he's known as the doubting disciple, especially here. But in reality, he should be labeled as the logical disciple. So what are your thoughts on that? And what are some ways that we doubt, that we face doubt today as believers? Yeah, um, I think... Thomas is very easily a super relatable character because we all face doubt. We all struggle with that. And I think it's something that is really easy to slip into our lives and we don't really notice it at first, but it's still really destructive to our faith because our doubts ultimately fall back to, they have a root in what we believe. And I think a lot of the times we might not recognize it, but if we, we tend to like doubt schoolwork or doubt a certain friendship or relationship or we even doubt ourselves when we really trace those back we can find a root in a belief of who we think god is um and i feel like this semester i've really struggled with kind of getting to that root of where my doubts are coming from and what that means i believe about god because ultimately if i'm doubting something it tends to be i'm doubting god's goodness and i don't feel like he's working everything for my best and that's why I'm doubting a situation or that's why I'm doubting a circumstance that I'm in. And so when I get to that root of doubting the goodness of God or doubting um, a certain truth that is laid out in the Bible, it's me replacing that with a lie that he's not what he is. And that's 
so far from what I should be doing. Me saying that, that my way is better than what God's way is because I'm doubting the way he's working in a situation. It's just kind of crazy when I've really took, taken a step back to see that is the way that my doubt is working in my mind. And if I let it stay there, and if I let myself dwell on it and continue to believe that lie that I've told myself, that God isn't good, it is so destructive to every other aspect of my life. Um, and so I think it's really important that we pick out this message that we're seeing in John chapter 20 of understanding that doubt does have a good motive behind it sometimes. It causes us to question things and to prove the logic behind it and make sure that there's truth behind it. But when we continue to let it fester in our lives and when it does have a root that is not the truth, that doesn't come from the Bible, um, that's where it's destructive for our lives. So just reading this section from uh, John talking about Thomas, um, he is doubting that Jesus is who he says he is because as we all know, we just saw Jesus die on the cross and he's like dead, dead. Like we, we knew he was dead. He's in the tomb. He's been gone for three days now. Um, and so I can imagine the shock that Thomas would be feeling of seeing this man come in and not recognizing him and him saying that he's Jesus. I would be a little doubtful of the circumstances as well. I just think something that's really funny about it is that in, in uh, verse 25, it says, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and have put my finger where the nails are, fingers where his nails were, and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. And I think it's funny that when it comes to this part of Jesus, this is where Thomas has the doubt. It wasn't believing that Jesus was God. It wasn't believing that he had the power to perform all the miracles that he has. He needed the proof that Jesus had resurrected. Like that was the part that stumped him. That was what he needed the proof on. And I just think it's funny that there's a lot of different things that cause different doubts for people. Um, and it can look different for every single person. Um, and one situation might stump you and one situation might not, but the doubt is there regardless and it needs to be addressed for us to see the truth and to recognize um, who Jesus is and who God is and his character. And so Jesus comes back and he goes to Thomas and he tells him to put his fingers where his hands were and to reach to his side and to feel it. And he says, stop doubting and believe. And so Jesus took this situation and he didn't use it as a way to, like he didn't keep Thomas away from him and actually seeing his scars to prove it. He let Thomas see his scars. He let Thomas feel the holes in his hands um, because he knew Thomas needed that. He knew he needed this tangible proof to believe. And I don't think that that's a wrong thing. Um, sometimes it does take God moving and working in our lives for us to be able to see that. But I think the main thing that we need to learn from this is that we shouldn't have to demand that from God, um, that we should have this basis of faith and belief in God and who he is and know his character to be able to drive our beliefs about him. But um, when it does come to certain things, maybe we do need to see God move. Maybe we do need to um, have a reminder of that and have that in a tangible way to push us forward in our faith. And God did that for Thomas. He allowed him to feel his wounds and told him to stop doubting and to believe. And so I think it's just a good reminder that um, doubts are something we all struggle with. And it's not necessarily a wrong thing, but just making sure that we confront those doubts, we get to the root of it, and that we don't run from God with our doubts, but that we run to him with our doubts. 
um, and that we go to his word and we try to fill those lies and those holes that are causing our doubts rather than continue continuing to let them grow and build till they're destructive of our faith entirely. Yeah, you know, I think you, you keep on mentioning this root of doubt and I think it's very important to understand this root of doubt and I think the root of this doubt is unbelief ultimately and that how doubt and unbelief might be asking the question of like wait what are they the same are they different you know they're similar but yet they're different um but yet so doubt comes and goes but unbelief is based on a conclusion if he's simply put as a decision to live life as if there is no god while doubt and faith can coexist at the same time unbelief is based on faith not to believe and so i think it's important to identify the root of doubt ultimately is unbelief and i think it's you put it perfectly of like jesus didn't have to reveal himself to thomas but yeah he did it anyways and that, like, it's all right. Again, we all struggle with doubt. You know, similarly, unbelief is like a seed that is planted in the heart and it grows out of control and it consumes the heart, more or less. And doubt is also, and unbelief coexist at the same time. And so, ultimately, when we are facing doubt, there is, we come to the conclusion of, like, Oh, if there's no God, then we can do whatever we want. There's a connection between, like, sin and unbelief. What sin do we find ourselves running to, more or less? Unbelief is... Unbelief as a sin is a justification for a lifestyle that we really want. What you're saying about, like, unbelief, it really just reminds me where... I forget the exact reference, but in Mark, where it says, like, I believe, but God help my unbelief. And I just think... But just understanding, like, we can acknowledge that doubt and that unbelief in our hearts but that's that same um, motive of bringing it to god like bringing those doubts bringing the unbelief that we're kind of feeling and seeing the root of it bringing that to god and allowing him to work through that situation and i think acknowledging it and bringing it to him is the main message that should come from all of this rather than hiding it and letting it grow into something much bigger that is destructive yeah and I have a couple of notes on unbelief, so I'm going to read them real fast. Unbelief. Here are a couple of red flags. Like, unbelief is overtaking our hearts when our fears outweigh our faith. Be cautious. Whenever fear outweighs faith, you're in a very tight spot. And basically, like you said, basically get to work. Get the, get the gloves on and get to work. You know, of like, tackle gout at the root. <laughs> And yeah. we must remind ourselves of the gospel daily. And you said this in your reflection. As we struggle with doubt from time to time, we should remind ourselves daily of the gospel to keep doubts and fears from our minds. And uh, secondly, I have unbelief is overtaking our hearts when, or when power and control become our priority. We can't make time, but we can prioritize our time. Do you trust Jesus enough with your time, finances, relationships? More like power and control wrecks so much. And you mentioned that in your reflection as well. But um, thirdly, I have unbelief is overtaking our hearts when God's gifts and promises become entitlements. You cannot receive a gift if your hands are clasped shut. When God's gifts are taken for granted, we often think that we deserve something. 
But in reality, we don't deserve any of this, especially the resurrection which Jesus has so freely given to us that should bring us such joy. Unbelief is overtaking our hearts when we are no longer truly grateful for God's blessings. That's a big, big one for me. But yeah, those four points come from Pastor Andy Lawrence from the Point Community Church. But really hit all of the huge points that we even talked about in my reflection of like with our doubts goes along a fear. And so we overcome or we oftentimes let our fear outweigh our faith and our faith is what we use to combat that. And that's kind of what I'm saying of bringing it to Jesus, of filling ourselves with the word, having a defense line for when those fears and those doubts do come up so that we aren't left defenseless, but knowing that we have God's word and his truths that can live inside of us, that can help us face those. And knowing that we have victory through Christ, through his resurrection, what we've just read about in John. And so even when we do face those things, we don't have to fear, we don't have to fear death or being alone or unloved, we have the message of the gospel, we have the truth of God's word that reminds us of all those things, and we have victory through Christ. Um, and that's one of the most important things that we carry with us um, in the message of the gospel that we keep with us daily for whenever we do face those things. Yeah, and definitely just spinning it back to the chapter, how Peter and John, we have like three cases of more or less doubt and unbelief like we have Peter and like the disciple whom Jesus loved which we're pretty sure it's John he's that blanked out and he said like wow this this guy actually resurrected from the dead where at least the disciple said back in verse 8 they said the other disciple who reached the tomb first also known as John also went in and he saw and believed for yet they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Just seeing John have that immediate face and, and like Peter still wondering like, wait, where did the body go, <laughs> you know? Similarly, we see Mary Magdalene at the tomb and first she's approached by two angels and then she's approached by Jesus. It took three attempts pretty much. It's like the angels are saying like, why are you crying? And then like Mary was just in so much emotional distraught that she couldn't recognize what was going on and then the second time Jesus said why are you crying and then again he was in emotional distraught and then finally he you see Jesus saying Mary you know in a very again like you said a very gentle and lowly tone and that Mary then left believing and then finally you see Thomas saying that, like, I must touch Jesus in order to believe it. I think so often, like, wrapping back to the question as well, Thomas is right, rightfully right, in thinking that Jesus was dead. Rightly just in his thinking, thinking that Jesus was dead. But yet, in fact, he was a skeptic. Shows us that he was probably one of the most logical disciples, more or less. Because if, if you heard that your best friend had just rose from the dead, how would you react to that? Similarly, like, Thomas had, has the right to, to quest. Wait, is this Jesus figure really risen from the dead? Even though he's heard over and over again that Jesus is the Son of God and stuff. So, 
I'm guessing my question for you, since Tomic was a little bit of a skeptic, he was focusing a lot on the horizontal plane of things. But how can we ourselves, as believers today, shift our focus from this world towards a heavenly perspective? Yeah, and that's a tough question to answer sometimes because we're in this world and we're of this world. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to get our perspective outside of that. We obviously don't have God's perspective. We don't know everything. And it is really easy to stay so focused in on the things happening around us. But I think one of the most important things to remember um, is that this is not our home. And we, as Christians, as believers, we have a hope in eternal life with Jesus and in heaven. And that's something that should motivate us every day and should inspire us to live according to God's word and to be disciples for him. And that's something that's hard to keep active in everyday life when the world is a sinful and broken world and it beats us down sometimes. And it's hard to um, keep that perspective in the forefront of our minds as circumstances around us can be really defeating sometimes. And I just think the most important thing in keeping a heavenly mindset is to continue to fill yourself with the word, um, continue to grow in it and love it, to read um, more and more, to learn more and more of God's character. is just so helpful in aligning our desires with his desires. And that pushes us more and more towards loving others, towards being disciples, to going and sharing that message with other people. And that's one of the biggest motivators towards keeping this heavenly mindset is not seeing the situations and people around us as obstacles or as irrelevant, but seeing them as um, broken people as well that need that same message of hope and joy that we find in the gospel and wanting to share that with them, to see each and every day as an opportunity to share that with other people so that we can all have that hope and that joy that's in that's in the gospel. And knowing that it may seem very permanent, the things that are happening right now while we're in the world, but understanding like this is not our home, like I said, um, we have heaven to look forward to. We have eternal life with Jesus that's been obtained through his death and resurrection. And that's something that should excite us to know that even the best of days that we could ever have here on earth are nothing compared to the joy that we have in heaven. Um, and that's something that should motivate us more and more to share that with other people so that we can bring that to them as well. And just seeing every day as an opportunity and living out the gospel message daily is such a great way to keep that perspective heavy on our minds rather than allowing our doubts and our fears and our circumstances to outweigh those things. Yeah, definitely. Again, just continue to fill your mind, as you said, switching. Because it won't be immediate, obviously, because it's so easy to turn on, like, the news or something like that and see all the awfulness in this world. But it's also important that we look upward to who Christ is and the divinity that he has, indeed, has done. Express something as important as the resurrection. I just... Like, as you were talking, I was looking up some scripture references as well. You know, First Peter 1, 8, you know, says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice 
with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith for the salvation of your souls. Uh, and another reference I wanted to mention is First John 1-3. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the words of life. This life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you eternal life, which was the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and we and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And you know, again, like you're saying, it's so easy to doubt, but yet it's even harder to tackle those doubts. And so, um, as we you know wrap up this episode more or less is there anything you would like to add right any final thought i just want to send out an encouragement to everyone i know this challenge this winter growth challenge has been super helpful for me just being in the word and really diving into the message of the gospel but just an encouragement to continue to read in god's word and continue to meditate on them to allow it to not only just be words that you read, but that the message permeates into your heart and your mind and you live it out and you're able to walk in the hope and the joy and the peace that Jesus can provide. And when you do face doubts that you don't, you don't run from God and you don't continue to feed into those things and let it overwhelm you, but that you allow the peace and the hope and the joy that is in the message of the gospel be what fills your mind instead and that you continue to focus on the things above and fill your mind with the encouragements and the truths of the word as you face those things. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm going to wrap, wrap up by um, reading the purpose of this book. But before I do that, thank you, Tommy, for joining me today. And But yeah, here's verses 30 through 31 of chapter 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so with that, that crushes so many doubts. And so with that, go and make much of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed, please leave us a rating. If you are interested in podcasting yourself, then I would encourage you to look into Anchor, the podcast software where you can upload, edit, and record your podcast. Another special thanks to the WKUBCM for making this Winter Growth Challenge possible, along with its full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the campus minister, Jeannie Atwood, the administrative assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, international student ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, campus minister associate and intern, Maya DeHay, campus minister associate, along with other interns, Carly Nunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher. Parvish Ramanali. A special thanks to Tommy Pierce for joining me today 
Audio and sound engineer Gideon Martin, graphic design art Nick Anderson. And once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.